The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hey, this is Kevin Kelly. Get ready for the latest episode of the Cast. guys and welcome to the stardom cast your weekly audio source of all things world wonder ring stardom i'm your host rob Gooding. i am joined by the stardom fan himself mr matt turner matt turner how are you buddy rob goodwin i am fantastic as always always great hearing your voice always talking always nice talking to the fantastic listeners and friends and family of the stardom cast i'm still buzzing on these shows this past weekend and uh, i'm in an ultra good mood because today is my last day of work for the next four or five days uh as we record this it is the day before thanksgiving here in the states so uh be nice to be around some family and to get some downtime which probably means watching more wrestling of course i mean what better tradition than watching wrestling i mean survivor series prides itself on being that thanksgiving uh that what is it? The uh, the night before Thanksgiving tradition, I believe it was packaged as for many, many years. So, um, but yeah, I hope you have a lovely Thanksgiving. You and the family, obviously, it's not it's not a thing at all in Britain. Uh, we we prefer to celebrate ridiculous traditions that don't make much sense. So, uh, yeah, we do, we don't have Thanksgiving, but obviously, I hope you have a lovely, lovely time. Um, you mentioned this weekend, Jesus Christ. I mean. I don't I don't want to use the word watershed, but this weekend felt like a watershed moment for stardom, didn't it? Yeah, it really was. I mean, there's a Matt obviously we're doing the gold rush review uh today and then this weekend we'll be uh doing the stardom historic crossover pay-per-view with Karen Peterson this weekend. But it's like there's like a match on here that's one of the best matches I've ever seen in stardom in the last two or three years, and I'm like yeah, it's probably not the best starter match for this weekend. Like, holy jeez. Like, they're just hitting them one after another, after another, after another. And even as we record this on Wednesday, I don't know if you're aware, but they did a show this you know, this morning at Cork and Hall. So it's like on a Wednesday. Like, what? Like, the starting train just absolutely just nonstop. They did. Uh, it was the night seven of the um, Goddess of Storm Tag League. Um, they drew one thousand and sixty people. Uh, it was a national. On a it was a national <laughs> holiday, though. I did check. <laughs> well, what was the holiday? National Stardom is Awesome Week or what? Yes, one hundred percent. That's what it was. It's been made a bank holiday. Sweet. Sweet. <laughs> um, T-shirts. <laughs> absolutely. I can't help thinking that that's going to be our next uh, merge idea. Um, Anyway, it's been a ridiculous weekend full of stardom goodness. Um, I mean, just from this Gold Rush show, 
there are, there was so many things to talk about coming out of it. And then obviously we had historic crossover as well. Um, as Matt's already mentioned, historic crossover will be with you um, on Monday morning. So this podcast, we're recording this on the, mon- on the Wednesday. Um, it'll be released on the Friday morning. And then obviously the next Monday morning, which I believe is the 28th of November, our review of historic crossover um, with Karen Peterson is going to be in your feeds as well. I imagine, Matt, it's going to be a lot of us going, oh my God, this was awesome. Oh my God, this was awesome. Oh my God, this was awesome. I'm, so I'm just going to start practicing that sentence, I think. Yeah, this is awesome. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> That's what we might have to call it. You know, if we can get, can, if we can get the lovely Karen Peterson on the podcast on like a, you know, somewhat of a normal basis, like maybe like once a quarter, we might have to call it, this is the awesome uh, stardom cast, you know, with uh, co-host uh, Karen Peterson. Cause she's, uh, she's probably might even be a bigger fan than me and you of stardom, which is <laughs> crazy to fathom. So 100%. if you like positivity, yeah, if you like positivity and you like us talking about stardom in a positive uh, way, you'll probably really enjoy the show we're going to record this weekend. <laughs> um, before we jump into a little tiny bit of news and then obviously into our main event of the Gold Rush review, uh, we'll look at night six of the Goddess of Stardom Tag League from uh, Sendai. Um, which will very, very briefly fire through. Um, there was a couple of matches on there that I know Matt wants to talk about. I'll be perfectly honest. I haven't watched the show because I completely forgot in the furore that was Gold Rush and then Historic Crossover, completely forgot that I hadn't already seen this show. So I apologize for that. That's all going to be Matt. Um, And then we'll fire into our Gold Rush review. But first, before we do any of that, Matt, tell me what's coming up on Patreon, my friend. Oh, on Patreon. It's been a little bit of a Hazuki mania running wild on Patreon. Uh, This past Monday, we released... Hazuki challenging Momo Watanabe for the Wonder of Stardom Championship. That was our watch along for our Red Belt tier Patreon members. Probably my favorite Hazuki match up until uh, this past year, which we all know she's gone on an incredible run. And then uh, just last week, we released for the White and Red Belt tier Patreon members the Hazuki high speed uh, run. So that was really, really fun to watch. Did you know, Rob, and I even mentioned this in the podcast, that Hazuki. One of her finishers, she tried the shooting star press a few times. Were you aware of this? I did not know this, no. Yeah, the first two matches, she goes for it. looks like she goes for it. Like, she, you know, she has the combination where she hits the uh, the Hazuki driver and then does the senton. That's like one of her go-to now. Well, she did it in the match. She won the belt. And it looked like she, like, over-rotated on the senton. I'm like, oh, that's weird. It kind of looked like she was going for a shooting star press, but just overrated the senton. And then uh, over-rotated the senton, excuse me. And then the second match, her first defense... She does the shooting star press, but bails out halfway. Then after doing some research, research, it's a move that she practiced a whole bunch that she was trying to get over as a finisher. So I wouldn't be shocked if Hazuki gets a big title match coming up next year, which we think she's going to. I wouldn't be shocked to see her trying to maybe bust out the shooting star press. But uh, yeah, I was unaware of that. So how about that? I, 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 I educated you today, sir. Look at that. You did, absolutely. And, I, I, you know, we know from the shooting star press that, you know, worked out really well for Brock Lesnar. So anyway, jeepers, <laughs> creepers. Anyway, so continue going, what's going on with the Patreon. The uh, I'm almost going to have one more match left to go for the uh, Kagetsu Red Belt reign, which will be in the Patreon feeds by the end of the month. So rather, uh, there's 10 matches in this run. I've watched nine prior to this, uh, me watching this for the Patreon. I've only seen maybe two or three matches. This run is absolutely fantastic. This is like, Kagetsu as the world of stardom champion 
And for your listeners that have seen these matches before that have voted for this, first of all, thank you. This is like, she's on the same level with you, Tommy's red belt run. And I know you've only seen like a match or two yourself. Do yourself a favor when you have the time, like if you have like downtime, like, I don't know if you broke your foot by chance uh, and you have some downtime, by all means, go back, (laughs) go watch these Watch these Kagetsu Red Belt matches. Like I said, it's it's an all-timer run. It's absolutely fantastic. I'm having so much fun uh, watching the run. Um, and then for the, uh, speaking of Red Belt, for the Red Belt to their Patreon members, this Monday coming up, which will be the last one uh, watch along we'll be doing before we hit a Merry Mayu Christmas, we're going to be watching from earlier this month, because it's topical, uh, Julia challenging Shuri uh, for the World of Stardom Championship on night one of World Climax. I figured that's, you know, since that's topical, that's going to be the main event coming up at the end of the year. I figured why not give a nice little bonus for our Patreon members and we'll do that watch along. And of course, coming up in December, we are, we are celebrating a Merry Mayu Christmas with once again, we are doing for our $1 tier Patreon members, Rob and I will be re- recording a complete Mayu Iwatani retrospective. Uh, that's just $1. $1 gets you that. Uh, for the $3 tier members, uh, the white belt members, the poll is up on uh, my Patreon. Or not my Patreon, my Patreon, my Twitter. It is a uh, vote. Obviously, the, out of the four uh, the four categories, you get the, the top two is what gets picked. We have a Thunder Rock review, which is winning by a landslide. Thank you. Fingers crossed. That's what I hope wins. Uh, my use 2007, 2016 Cinderella win. Mayu's 2018 five-star win and Mayu uh, in ROH review. Those are the four uh, things that you can vote for in the Patreon. uh, The poll is still up uh, again on my Twitter, Matt Turner OF. And then for the Red Belt here, Patreon members for a Merry Mayu Christmas. We will be watching not one, not two, not three, but four matches. Mayu versus EO, the greatest feud, in my opinion, in the history of stardom. So, yeah, we got a lot going on on the Patreon. And I truly thank everyone for your fantastic support. Yeah, I've just for uh, one of my fourteen thousand books I've got on the go at the moment. I've just rewatched the second match of the Mayu and EO feud, the one from uh, Year End Climax twenty sixteen, and it's it's such a good match. They managed to cram so much into seventeen minutes; it truly is unbelievable. So I am massively, massively looking forward to the work you're going to be doing this month uh, for a merry Mayu Christmas. Um, a little bit of news then, and I'm sure I've missed something off in the massive amount of buzz around stardom this weekend but i just wanted to bring up stardom in showcase again uh volume three uh november 26th uh so it will be the sunday as we record um there's been a couple of matches added um the first is there is going to be a goddess of stardom tag match a blue block match with wing gory taking on seven up so nene takashi and you are going to be pulling double duty because of course they are in that coffin six woman tag match it has been confirmed as a coffin match now so lord knows how that is going to happen but there we are also matt the latest match to be announced um, is a four-way, Himika versus Saya Kamatani versus Lady C versus Momo Kogo, um, with a little bit of a twist. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of a Beauty Salon Zest match, um, but this is a collaboration match with Beauty Salon Zest, presumably a company in Japan. Um, the winner gets a haircut from the salon, and the use of shampoo is allowed during the match. This might be the only wrestling match where a haircut is actually the prize 
as opposed to the punishment that I've ever heard of, Matt? Well, two things there. Number one is uh, you're pro- I'm going to copy and paste this. You're going to see a lot of Matt Turner in 2023 in beauty. What's it? Beauty <laughs> hair salon death match. <laughs> Look out. <laughs> Well, my hair's getting long. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to cash in on this one. Save a few bucks. And uh, did they, does anybody know Brutus the Barber Beefcake is booked to go into Japan this weekend? That's what I want to know. The That's Ed Leslie Stardom Tour. <laughs> <laughs> Who named kayfabe, Rob? You know, look at you being hip inside it. Oh, I'm Brutus sorry. the Barber. Brutus, <laughs> I'm about to call him the Zodiac and the Booty Man while you're at it. But, oh, my God. The yeah, Booty Man. <laughs> That's a, yeah, I saw that and I was like, well, Steinerman Showcase is a, is a little bit weird, but I kind of just to hit the rewind button a few seconds, you know, the extra stipulation on the, uh, the coffin match. Mm-hmm. What's the stipulation? That, uh, yeah. It's a, it's a, an exploding coffin match. An exploding coffin match. <laughs> right. Yes, sir. Because a coffin just isn't going to be <laughs> enough, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> But that doesn't make any sense. You're, the idea, if you think about the psychology of it, the idea is to put the person in the coffin because they might be scared. But then when it explodes, the coffin's going to be open, right? So like, the kind yeah. of, isn't that counterproductive? Isn't that counterproductive? I don't, again, it's stardom and showcase. How many coffins are going to be at ringside? Like, is it so funny? How many people have got to be exploded before the match is over? Like, is it like last woman standing? Apparently, according to Julia, in the setup for this match, Julia said to Nene Takahashi, oh, you're really good at coffin matches. And Nene looked as confused as everybody else. So I don't know what the hell is going to happen during this match, but at least we've got Wingori versus 7-Up to sort of <laughs> pallet the rest of it. <laughs> what's the regular normal? Like, what's the stipulation on this match? Uh, regular normal match? What? I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you start to put a normal, straight-up wrestling match on your stardom and showcase, Joe? <laughs> um, <laughs> what are you thinking? I know, exactly, exactly. And we have got that four-way as well, haven't we, with Starlight Kid, um, Azumi, is it Natsupoi? I can't remember off the top of my head. Give me two seconds. I don't, I don't, I don't even know. I'm thinking about exploding coffins and food cake <laughs> going up in stardom. Shampoo death matches. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be honest, Matt. I'm not sure stardom is showcases for me. Uh, we've got... I don't know either. I don't have that answer yet. I hope you ever will. God damn, I love this promotion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, sorry. It's Azumi versus Starlight Kid versus Kogama versus Ram Kachow in a anywhere, um, Falls Sky Anywhere four-way match which should be should be it should be okay let's I, I, honestly i've been completely thrown by the shampoo stipulation I, I honestly don't know what to say about that stipulation but i'm sure we'll see i'm sure we'll see um let's get into these reviews then so we're going to start with the goddess of storm tag league 2022 night six from way back 10 days ago as we record um on sunday the 13th of november 2022 from the phenomenally named aztec museum sendai industrial exhibition hall in front of a sellout 508 people uh so i'll read out the results and then matt if you just want to give us a little bit of information or a little your knowledge and a little bit of your insight onto some of these matches um we have with a red goddess block match with meltier getting the win 
over Momo Watanabe and Stark had Black Desire. Meltier moving to four points. Uh, Black Desire staying on one point. Uh, we have a blue goddess of stardom match with Wingori getting their first victory of the tournament. Admittedly over Saki and Wakisuki armor, but don't sully the name. It's fine. Wingori are on the board. That's what we all want. Um, Red goddess stardom tag. Blah. Let me try that again. A red block match from the tag league. Uh, Aphrodite, who of course pulled double duty on this show, getting the win over my fair lady um, in eight minutes and 21 seconds. Uh, Aphrodite moved to six points. My fair lady still rock bottom of the block with zero. Um, a tag match. Tekla and Julia get the win over Mio Amasaki and Azumi um, with Julia getting the pinfall with the Bianca in 10 minutes and 45 seconds. Three-way tag match, um, time limit draw, 15 minutes. We all love a time limit draw. Um, Tomoka and Nabe and Suri, Amisori and Mirai, Hazuki and Kogama. That went to a time limit draw. And we then finished with two more Goddess of Stardom Tag League matches. Sayakamatani and Utami Hayashista Aphrodite getting the win over Peach Rock with Utami getting the pinfall over Momo Kogo with the German suplex in 9 minutes and 36 seconds. And then perhaps the biggest shock of this night came in the main event, a blue goddess of stardom block match. We had BMI 2000, Ruaka and Natsugatora getting the win over Himika and Mika, my Himi, the tournament favourite uh, with Tora pinning Himika in 12 minutes and 30 seconds with the Swanton Bomb. Um, aside from obviously the huge shock of that main event, Matt, and Aphrodite pulling double duty, um, what else would you like to talk about on this card? There is a, a must-see match, especially for you, sir, that uh, you definitely need to see. And that was Meltier versus Mama Watanabe and Starlight Kid. They're doing a really good job playing up this feud between the match they had here couple weeks prior they had a tag title match and then on um the uh this weekend's past uh, pay-per-view the start of new japan historic crossover show they had a you know kind of a mini tag match they had in their mixed tag match but i would uh say definitely go out of your way to see the meltier versus momo starlight kid match um starts off with especially uh rob i know you're you're in the minority that you do not like the meltier theme music and the entrance so you'll you'll enjoy how this starts because they go to make their way out of the curtain and momo watanabe and starlight kid not only do they jump Tam and Natsupoy, but then they wind up stealing their belts. So they're walking around like they're the tag champs. <laughs> Starlight Kid hits a beautiful, they're already on the outside, so she hits a picture-perfect Ase Moonsault to start. They get some really good heat on Tam Nakano. Eventually, Tam makes the hot tag to Natsupoy. She starts running a little circuit on to on Momo, but you probably figure out what, what happens. You know, it's Momo, it's Natsupoy. The table gets turned and Momo just beats the bejesus out of Natsupoy. <laughs> so congratulations, Momo Watanabe, the newest member of the Natsupoy Beatdown World Tour. Um, so really good counters back and forth. Again, I don't, you know who wins, obviously, because you're reading the results, but I'm not going to go over move for move because I definitely would like for you to watch it. Um, I gave it four and a quarter stars and it's probably my top five matches of this tournament. I thought it was absolutely excellent. And these two teams have really good chemistry together. Wow. Um, Yes, I definitely go and see it. Uh, the Wingori versus Wakansaki was a really, really solid match. I know you were over the moon that Wingori gets their first two points, but I'm going to say something that's even going to put you even in a better mood. Hannon gets the pinfall, so you know what that means. <gasps> no. Yes. No. Yes. 
H A N A N N Hannon. <laughs> yeah because it seems like they're always going to be coming out to the Sai Edith's theme I think because like she's the more senior of the group so I don't think we're going to get that Hannon theme now let's Hannon start stringing together some wins here folks so what a better way to you know it's like you're all on a on a you know on cloud nine because Wing Gore gets a win and then you get to hear that theme music so uh but that was it was a salt match I gave it three and a quarter stars uh Aphrodite versus um um my fair lady we alluded to last week on this podcast Lady C and May Sakurai, all of a sudden, the beef that they had on night one, gone. Not even like a slow burn or slow turn, just gone. Uh, they worked well together, but ultimately it was Aphrodite. Uh, the, the double team moves really just kind of cemented the win there. Uh, three and a half stars. Mafia Bella versus Azumi and Miyu. A solid, solid match you'd figure with the, uh, with the four of them. Um, Julie does just such a great job working towards like the lower card, like the newer talents, like the younger talents. She does a good job making sure they get enough in and she's at the right place at the right time. Um, and she did a great job here with Miyu. Uh, obviously, she winds up submitting her with the Stealth Viper, three and a quarter stars. Uh, the three-way tag, which we knew was going to go to a time limit draw um, with uh, Mariah Amisori, Shuri uh, Inaba, um, and FWC. It was great. Of course, you know, what else can you possibly say? But it really seemed like they were trying, they're building towards a Shiri versus Suzuki singles match somewhere down the line because they did a really good job kind of bringing the two of them um, back and forth in this match. But like the real heart of this match was just the double teams by all three teams. Makes sense. All three of these teams are our three uh, favorites to win the uh, the Goddess of Stardom tournament. So I think they did a really good job, almost like a commercial. Like, hey, if you're not watching the tournament, these three teams are in them. Here's what you're going to see. Uh, I had that one at three and a half stars. Aphrodite and Peach Rock was solid. I mean, Momo Kogo constantly getting better obviously Mayu is Mayu and Aphrodite just they're showing to me they're one of the best tag teams in an already loaded um already loaded division they did a really good job highlighting Momo Kogel here not only in your defense and her offense Peach Rock their uh double team moves are absolutely fantastic but as we as we kind of figured you figured Momo Kogel would eat the pinfall there three and a half stars and if you already uh have this the show up and running for the uh, the first match definitely watch the main event because BMI 2000 and I've been kind of dogging on Ruaka a lot the last five or six months. But we talked over the last week or two how her and Natsukotora are really gelling well together. And this was, they get better each and every outing. Obviously, they're in the ring with uh, Mike and Himika. So no way anybody can have a bad match with the two of them. But these two teams gelled really, really well together. It was just four hard-hitting uh, uh, wrestlers. And, it, you know, you had in between, you had obviously the outside interference from Wado tie, but it wasn't pulled like in front of the ref or overly done. It was done in the right spots to kind of spoil, you know, our, the team that me and you both have picked to win the tournament. Um, and then ultimately, yeah, it was kind of like a, the, as the heat, as the match is getting built, like the, they're building towards the heat and they're building towards the finish. The crowd is really, really behind Mike and Himika. And then when the finish happened, the, the, you can just hear like a hush, basically like the energy of the room is just cut out. And that's kind of what you want when you're building a heel team up like that, but I would definitely um, go out of your way to see the first match in the main event and the main event. I had three and three, four stars. It was a really solid show. There wasn't anything that, that was, that was like uh, you can, you can really skip, but really nothing really must see except for maybe I'd say the opener, but definitely um, if you have time, watch the opener and watch BMI 2000 versus Micah and Himika. I can't believe how much BMI 2000, because we, we talked about on the opening night of the tag league that, the way they got disqualified and things like that. And I know I spoke about this last podcast as well. I was a little bit concerned that we were just going to default to the worst of Oedetai. And actually, they've performed really quite well in this tournament and have looked not only good, but dominant 
which is uh, eight points. Yeah, yeah they're the leaders. Absolutely. There's only one more team that are on eight points, you know, on this now, and that's Aphrodite. So, um, I mean, I I do believe that my Hemi are going to win it, but if BMI 2000 had to top the group, um, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be massively disappointed in that. I think it, we've talked about how it's a good place for Rewaka to be. Um, at the moment, as she continues the development, and you know, gets through, getting through to the final of the tag league would certainly be a way to do that. It wouldn't be my choice. I'd still have my Himmy go through, but you know, it would be a great rub for a whacker, especially as they're top of the group by a significant distance at the moment. Yeah, yeah, great job. Let's move on then to what is going to be our main event of this evening. Um, we're going to be talking our latest pay-per-view stardom gold rush 2022 from saturday the 19th of november 2022 in edian arena osaka japan in front of a reported 1620 people now last time stardom ran the venue was december 18th last year for osaka super wars which was one of my favorite shows of last year that drew 1,222, which means that it's a 32.5% increase in attendance. Also, if it's true, the 1,620, this makes the event the eighth highest stardom attendance in history. So there's a little bit of a stat for you, Matt. Um, well, I say it's the eighth highest stardom attendance in history. It would be for about a day, and then it goes down to ninth. But... <laughs> <laughs> but we'll it's talk still, about that later <laughs> we will be talking about that in a couple of days however i think that's a great place to be especially as you know the stardom flashing champions which was ahead of it and that's the next one up and that was 1600 1871 and then the rest of 2000 and above so this show did tremendously well Let's open then with our opener, which was a three-way tag match, um, which I actually missed because I couldn't find it on. I kept skipping forwards and backwards on the pay-per-view feed, and I could not find it at all, no matter where I was staying. on It was either Gold Rush or Azumi, and I couldn't seem to find this match. But anyway, the result was in this dark match, a three-way tag, uh, Ruwaka and Natsukatora getting the win over the team of uh, Momokogo and Saya Ida and Lady C and Miyu Amasaki with Tora pinning Momokogo with the Death Valley bomb in four minutes and 31 seconds. Uh, Matt, anything to note from this match? Can't believe you missed it. This was five stars. You need to find this. No, this was they all. They, they, I'm dogging you, bro. Uh, no, they all worked hard again. Four and a half minutes. Considering the fact that after this match was like the little brief intermission to the main show, which was like 35 minutes long, they could have given this match three or four minutes longer. But again, it's uh, it's six really really solid wrestlers in a match at you know tag match. Obviously, you kind of knew who was going to win. Obviously, BMI two thousand, but everybody looked really good. They worked hard. All the spots made sense. Nothing was overexposed. They went home when it was time to go home. So this one gets the gentleman uh, three stars for me. Yeah, I think with this only going four minutes, you have got to remember the rest of the card was nearly four hours. It was a long show. This one, so uh, maybe making that one shorter was sort of thinking right well we know the 
Kyrie versus Sire matches going 30. We know that um, Utami and Suri is going pretty much 30. Maybe we need to cut one of these matches. And I imagine it was probably that one that got the nod. Uh, we opened the main card with our high-speed championship match with Azumi the champion defeating Momoka uh, Hanazono with the Azumi Sushi in eight minutes and four seconds. Uh, Matt, what did you think of yes, Hanazono? Sir. You know what? I thought I've never seen her wrestle before, but once she brought out the bubble gum, I was like, all right, the bubble gum, the bubble gun. I was like, oh, yes, I've seen her in Stardom and Showcase. Um, yeah, I thought she was really good. I thought her and Zumi worked really well together. Uh, she used the bubble gun early on in the match, and I thought they should have been disqualified. I thought they should have <laughs> thrown this one out. It's an illegal object. What if soap goes in poor Azumi's eyes? Totally joking. No, I thought they worked really, really well together. Um, There's some really, really good uh, interactions. Uh, Azumi goes for that huge double stop early on in the match to kind of really put the crowd up, you know, going, you know, really good, uh, good way to, to kind of warm the crowd up here. But uh, I thought this was this was good because the high speed match going on first, the championship match going on first. And we haven't seen any of that this year. So I thought it was a good way to warm up the crowd. Ultimately, um, I had to watch this match over twice because the last like 60, 70 seconds with the constant back and forth near pinfalls, which Azumi not only does so well, but she gives so well to her opponent. I really kind of had to catch my breath getting towards the end. I was blown up just watching it. So um, excellent finish, too, with the double Azumi Sushi. I had this one at three and a half stars. Yeah, I think I actually liked it a little bit more than you. I gave it three and three quarters. Um now, the the challenge from this match was actually laid down way back at New Blood 4 in August. And this makes sense as to why I didn't know Hananzano because I didn't watch New Blood 4. It's the only New Blood show I didn't watch. But I thought she did a good job of balancing the comedy aspects with the actual high speed aspects. Thought she matched Azumi really, really well. That closing stretch was fantastic. Overall, I thought she gave a really, really, really good account of herself. In terms of Azumi, this is her eighth successful title defense, which ties the combined defense record of Natsuki Teo at 12 and is only a handful of days behind third place Mary Apache's combined 498 days with the title. So she's on a bit of a tear, Azumi. Um, and if we are to assume that the chances are she's not going to have another title match until Dream Queendom. She's going to be in top three in terms of combined reign, I would have thought. Um, we then got an announcement that Stardom Supreme Fight 2023 will be happening next year on the 4th of February in the Edian Arena Osaka, this venue that they were running today, next year. Obviously, last year it was Nagoya Supreme Fight uh, with Mirai going up against Suri for the red belt. Um, we then moved on to our second match, the first round or our first semi-final of the Moneyball tournament, which was Donna Del Mondo, Julia Tekla and Mei Sakurai defeating the Cosmic Angels team of Tam Nakano, Natsupoy and Wakasuki Armor with that bloody diving elbow drop in eight minutes and 42 seconds. Now, Matt, it looks like they've given up trying to teach Wacker the dance with her just sort of perching on the ropes and clapping them. But she almost got that wrong as well because she tried to get off the ropes too early before Meltier had finished dancing. And you just look at her and go, poor Wacker. Just, just poor Wacker. 
this match in the beginning had some of the smartest booking ever, and then at the end had some of the dumbest booking ever. Smartest booking is by leaving poor Waka out of the dance. <laughs> I totally agree with you. She just on the rope, just clapping along, but yeah, then she almost took a uh, Kenta Kabashi, Dr. Death, Steve Williams style bump on her head when she looked like she almost fell off the rope. And then kind of fast forward to the, to the end, where May Sakurai wins with the uh, the insane elbow. I was like, wait a minute. Your match, like probably the biggest match, one of the biggest matches all year in stardom, is this match you've been building up pretty much since March when, when Kyrie came back. She told Saya, hey, I'm coming for this belt. I'm coming for this belt. And then they're supposed to have the match at Stardom X Stardom. Obviously, Kyrie got sick. So now we move it back here. So there's more of a build. So obviously, Kyrie's finisher is the insane elbow. She's on one of the main event matches here. You finish this match off with the top rope elbow drop. Like, it's one thing if you want to get it in, but like she hit the gourd buster um, first, which I think she calls the shining buster. And then she hit the top rope elbow drop. I would, if I was agenting this match or if I knew anything uh, like about this match going on, I would have maybe, okay, if she wants to get the top rope elbow, fine. Maybe have her hit the elbow and then the gourd buster. We've seen her win, I think, one or two matches in the five star with that move. But like, you really finish this match off with the top rope elbow drop. Be that as it may, other than those two things, obviously the first thing I talked about it, it you know, I digest. It's 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 a joke, but I just don't understand why May Sakurai would uh, win a match on a pay per view that uh, with the same move that Kari does. But other than that, I thought this match was really solid. Uh, obviously, the uh, the Julia Tam stuff that feud is not going away anytime soon, is it, Rob? No. Absolutely not. And when you've got a feud that is so filled with emotion and fueled, I mean, look at, you know, it's it's not in the same category as Utami and Suri, but when you have a fantastic feud and you're able to keep revisiting it and it continues to pay off, why on earth would you stop doing it? And it's not like we're seeing singles match after singles match after singles match between them. They're just building a narrative, which I really, really like. They just seem to encounter each other as opposed to, you know, just going over matches and matches and matches. And, I do see what you're saying with the diving elbow drop because it it is something that sort of crossed my mind at the finish, especially as, and this is no disrespect to May, because it is nice that they gave May the pinfall here. Um, but it's not the best elbow drop anyway. And then she actually sort of whiffs it as well. So it would have been a lot better had she won it with the Shining Buster. Again, like you said, have her hit the elbow drop. Have someone break up the pinfall. I mean, it's a six-woman tag. That's what they're there for. Um, and then have a win the Goldbuster to win. But yeah, it was it was it was a fine match. There was nothing that really stood out to me. I think that the Cosmic Angels chemistry um, with Meltier and Wacker is improving all the time. And you know, it's almost like Wacker's their little sister. You know, you've they're trying to get her to do the plancher off their hands, and she's taking too long because she's nervous. So Julia and Tekla just come out and just whip the legs out from under him, which really made me laugh. But otherwise, it it was fine. It did a job. I gave it three and a quarter stars. Same as uh, same with me, sir. Three and a quarter stars. So Donna Del Mondo are through to the main event, the TLC match for the Moneyball. But who would they meet? Well, we found out in the next match. It's our next semi-final with the stars team of Mayu Iwatani, Hazuki, and Kogama defeating the God's Eye team of Mirai, Amisuri, and Tomoka Inaba, with Hazuki getting the pinfall with the Hazuki Stral in 10 minutes and 5 seconds. I absolutely loved the transition from Hazuki from Ami's like a thunderbolt into the Hazuki Stral. I thought that entire motion, that entire sequence was 
done to perfection. Yeah, great finish and great way to get Ami Sori over in this match. You know, she's getting ready to finish off Hazuki, who's really someone that they're pushing uh, you know, as we get to the tail, tail end of this year and probably the beginning of next year. And she was just a half a second away of putting her away with her uh, brutal finisher, like a Thunderbolt. But Hazuki, just a little too seasoned of a veteran, was able to escape to uh, hit the Hazuki straw. I thought it was a solid finish. Uh, I thought the whole match was really good as a whole. I thought the Stars triple teams... I thought all that stuff was really, really good, really, really excellent. Hazuki uh, Inaba stuff. Um, more of that, please. That's, oh, geez, I would I'd love to see them have a match, you know, 10, 11, 12 minutes. I thought that was the bulk of the match. And how about poor Kagama uh, getting literally chopped into next week? She probably could have given us the spoilers of the uh, main event of the uh, historic crossover show because she was hit so hard. I thought she went into Wednesday. But, uh, <laughs> oh, oh. Overall, just a really, really solid match with a really solid uh, solid finish. I have it at three and a half stars. Yeah, I had it at three and a half as well. I thought it was a, I thought it was the better of the two matches, the two semi-final matches. You read my mind with the Hazuki and Tomoka and Naba stuff because I literally my notice. I didn't know I needed to see a singles match between these two, but I absolutely do. Um I thought the work that God's Eye did on Kogma, Kogma took a lot of heat in this match. Obviously, they destroyed her arm and they seem to be getting a lot more chemistry as they're doing it. Um, but ultimately, I think stars with the choice to go through there, especially if you're going to do something as wacky and as car crash as a, a TLC match in the main event, just makes more sense. We move on then to a pair of goddesses of stardom tag league matches. We have match four, uh, a red block match with Black Desire moving to three points, defeating Wheel of Tokyo Sports, who remain on two points, with Starlight Kid submitting Saki with the Black Tiger leg killer in five minutes and 48 seconds. This, though, I admit I went into this match with lowered expectations not because of the ability of any of the four women in the ring but because of the we love tokyo sports gimmick where it is all newspaper centric and it's the same shtick over and over and over again however once we got over that in the first couple of seconds of the match this was actually pretty well done matt this that was well done this was really really fun it had one of the coolest spots i've seen in wrestling in a long time where you know what you're gonna get when you get the when you get this match. You have Starlight Kid and Momo Watanabe, who are two the absolute killers, and you have more of the comedy side of Oedo Tai and Saki Cashman and freaking Death. But so, so Saki's locked in the Black Tiger uh, leg crush, uh, the Black Tiger leg crusher submission. Say that five times fast, and that's pretty much spells the end of Doom, right? That she's tapped in a lot of people with the uh, with that hold in the last few months. So Fukin Death being a good tag partner, no, she needs to break up this hold. So what does she try to break it up with? She tries to smother Starlight Kid, fellow <laughs> Wedo Time member, with the newspaper. So as she's like two seconds into the smothering, Momo Watanabe comes up and says, oh, no, you didn't. Grabs Fukin Death and just drops her right on her head. And then ultimately, you know, like she goes back to the, I think she's a, a low dragon sprue, and back to the uh, the lake submission uh, for the tap out. I thought that was just so well done. And again, how long does this match go? Like four minutes? Five minutes, 48. Okay, yeah, I mean, this was, it was nonstop fun. You had your comedy, you had your psychology, you had the tag teams doing what they need to do, and then you have a clown just getting dropped on her head just for trying to cheat at the end. I thought this was, uh, it was really, really entertaining. I had a three and a quarter stars. 
Uh, yeah, I had it at three stars. I thought, considering, again, my lowered expectations because of the newspaper shenanigans, um, I still think they managed to put on a really, really, really solid match. Um, we moved on to a blue block match with my Himmy going up to six points, defeating 7-Up, that is Nene Takashi, and you who remain on three points, with Mike again, the jackknife pin on Nene Takashi in 14 minutes and five seconds. I thought this match was absolutely brilliant, Matt. This was completely different than the last match we saw, wasn't it? Yeah, 100%, is, uh, yeah. A lot of hard-hitting stuff. Uh, I mean, Nene Takahashi, her stuff is just so on point here between her kicks, her strikes, where she needs to be in the ring. I think her and you gel really well together. And obviously, I mean, we don't need to put over my Himika and our Mike and Himika any more than we do, but we will. They are absolutely fantastic. They were great. They're uh, the the lariats, the shoulder tackles, the lariat sandwiches, the tower doom spot. I everything was really, really on point here. Kind of was trying to see which way it was going to go. He kind of figured my Himika was going to, uh, my Himmy was going to get the win because they need some points, but how were they going to get the win? Obviously they have a lot of tag team finishers. Mike and Himika both have really good, solid uh, singles finishers. And then it kind of finished kind of just came out of nowhere with the jackknife pin. I really liked how they, uh, how they built towards that kind of just came out of nowhere. So uh, really, really solid match. This is probably my either number five or number six uh, tag matches of this tournament. I had this at a solid four stars. And I think this is where we're going to see Mike and Himika start to build more, uh, some more momentum going towards the final days of the tournament. I completely agree with you on every front. I gave it four stars as well. It was really, really good. They split off into effectively two singles matches with Himika and you and Nene and Micah. And I thought Nene and Micah looked they just threw bombs at each other for what felt like eight of these 14 minutes and both women came out looking better um it was a great match it moves micah and himica on to six points moves them second in the block though they've only got oh no they've got three matches left i thought they'd only got two um it's certainly it's interesting to see some of these blocks. Let, I'll just go through where everyone is in terms of blocks. So we'll start with the red block. Um, at the top are Aphrodite with eight points. Julia and Tekla are second with six points. And then it is Meltia with four points. That's the top three in red block. Um, blue block, we have got BMI 2000 at the top with eight points. They've only got two matches left though. And Micah and Himika are in second place with six. They have also got no they haven't they've got three matches left keep misreading it they've got three matches left against um wacker and saki which bless wacker can you imagine imagine no no, i can't (laughs) (laughs) Um, they've got (laughs) they've got o2 line left um and they've got fwc left as well so if we are to assume they're going to get the two points against uh, Wacker and Saki, that moves them up to eight. If you go against O2 line, you would you would assume they're going to get the win over O2 line um, with one of them pinning Mew. It's all down to FWC. So way to build it. Great way to build it with the uh, former t- the two former tag camps teams going in. That's what the last night or the last night of Blue Block. I don't know. It's the one without a date. Let me just have a look. Um, Hazuki and Kogama. This is my Hemi, 4th of the 12th. So 4th of December. So yes, I believe that is the final night of the tournament, isn't it, the 4th? 
great way to build it because now we're going to be it's going to come down to those two teams which i think is just smart booking um and then bmi 2000 um they've got the new eras um of mirai and amisori that's that's just happened at corican today and then they've got on the last night seven up so it's going to be BMI 2000 versus Nene Takashi and you. It does depend on how Amisori and Mirai do against them, um, but that's going to be very, very close as well. Um, in terms of red block, um, Aphrodite are yet to lose, um, and they've got Meltier. Um, oh, boy. They've still got Mafia Bella. That's just happened at Corican. Um, and then they've still got Karate Brave as well. So they've got three tough matches. What match have they got on the last night? Meltier. So oh, Just take my money, Starter. <laughs> just take my money. In fact, on the last night, so let's just quickly have a look at some other permutations here. So Julia and Tekla on the final night have got Black Desire. Um, on the final night, it is going to be Wheel of Tokyo Sports and Peach Rock, um, which unfortunately I don't really, I don't really see that having much effect on anything. Um, My Fair Lady have got Karate Brave. Um, I think it's looking like a straight shootout between those three teams: Meltia, Aphrodite, and Julia and Tekla. And as Black Desire have got Mafia Bella on the last night. I can see them playing spoilers, Matt. Yeah, I think you had um, Momo and Kid going through, right, in the red? Well, again, let's let's just take that with a pinch of salt, Matt. We know what happens when I do predictions. That's you're right. However, you did get this next match. I'm going to I'm gonna look at that ham-fist segue look for the next that. match. You did, didn't Wow, Look what a team. We're like Hogan and Savage in 88, brother. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you did absolutely nail this one with, uh, you know, the match number six, Sai Kamatai defending the World of Stardom Championship against Tyrese. Absolutely. Ending in a time limit draw, 30 minutes. Um, I do just want to say it's a really interesting dynamic heading into this match because technically we've had two build-ups to it. We have Kyrie catching COVID just before their initial match at Stardom X Stardom. And in both press conferences, Kyrie went on the offensive. In August, she went on the offensive about Saya's uh, credibility as champion, saying that she just gave empty words and was too busy with other things to meet the challenges of the white belt head on. And when Saya started crying, Kyrie accused her of doing it for sympathy and that a champion should be strong. And then obviously that match never happened. So when we move on to the press conference before Gold Rush, um, Kyrie started playing mind games and sort of bringing up the Mina injury and the doubt Saya must be feeling and sort of questioning whether Saya would be able to fly or to hit the Phoenix splash. And I thought that was a really, really interesting through line throughout this match because ultimately Saya doesn't hit the Phoenix splash. She doesn't go for the Phoenix splash at all. It seems to be a very, very, very last resort. This is a match that went 30 minutes and there was potentially one tease of it where she went to the top, but Kyrie stopped her. So if that's a narrative that we're going for, I am all on board for that, Matt. Even mind, Kyrie didn't hit the insane elbow. She went for it as well towards the end and got kicked. So it's like you have their two big finishers that were not hit in this epic, epic match. But they basically took, you know, the, the injury to Mina, which obviously is not a good thing. They basically took a negative and spun it into two positives. One with Mina with the two promos back-to-back, one in the ring, 
right after the uh, the match with the injury, and then one backstage, which I think is the greatest uh, promo in the history of stardom. Um, and when Mina comes back, she's just going to be a, a bigger star than she already is. And now you're building this narrative up with the Phoenix Splash. She didn't go for it here, and even in the next night, in front of 7,000 people on the biggest show she's probably ever wrestled on, didn't go for it there. So now it's like you're building up that next time you see the Phoenix Splash, it's going to be a big deal. Obviously, she's got the Star Crusher. She's got an absolutely picture-perfect 450 splash as well. So you're kind of building towards like when she when she takes it, when she does it, it's going to be a big deal, whether she attempts it and misses it or she actually hits it. And then when somebody, you know, when maybe they build her up to a red belt match, maybe somewhere towards next year or in 2024, that when maybe somebody kicks out of it. So I think they're doing, they're doing a great job taking a negative on that Bosch Phoenix splash uh, at the last uh, pay-per-view and turning it into a positive. I think this is great booking uh, by stardom on, on that, on that half. I think it will be, we'll talk about this match in a minute because this match truly is fantastic. I think it would be great if the net, depending on who Saya faces at dream queendom. And it is a big, if, if, if it's Hazuki, she faces, I think Hazuki takes the belt off of there. If it's not, I would have Saya hold on to the belt until she can face Mina and I'd have Mina take the belt from her. Now, that is purely based on how well Mina did, how how far she's progressed this year, but also how fantastic those two promos were. I truly do feel now what I didn't quite feel before that she is a champion. You know, she will do fantastic things with that belt. But during that match with Mina, what if... Saya tries the Phoenix Splash again and misses it, ends up getting pinned by Mina, and she sort of retires it. Not necessarily retires it forever, obviously. But then, as you said, when she goes for the red belt again, which Saya is obviously going to do, why not have her bring it out there and only bring it out as this nuclear finish? Very similar to how Suri uses the Vermilion World. Don't use it every match. Use it as a last possible choice. Or Kenta Kabashi. I always I always throw it back to all Japan nineties, uh, when Kenta Kabashi with the burning hammer, who I think only hit it like five or six times, like when he absolutely needed to. Because Kabashi had, you know, the Lariats and the power bombs and the orange crush. And uh obviously Sayakamatani has a whole bunch of different ways to put her over opponent, uh to put her opponent away. So yeah, I like that. I I, I like that that that, uh, that train of thought. But I kind of figured when the last match once this match started I was like, I think Rob's going to be right on the uh, the time limit draw based on a couple things. Number one, the show was kind of cooking along pretty fast. I know we still had three matches to go. And the last match, they called for one minute left in the time limit and then the finish happened. And I thought, oh, you kind of teased a little bit of a time limit draw there. So I'm like, maybe Rob's right. Maybe we'll get it here. And I've seen a lot of long matches in my day. You know, the, the Punk Joe uh, two uh, uh, time limit draw matches. You know, anytime Flair and Steamboat, all their matches went really, really long. So I've always noticed, like, when a match starts, when it's going to go a long time, when the bell rings and nobody does anything, and then the crowd starts clapping and they get into it and they still don't do anything because they're milking it, I'm like, oh, they're going to milk the clock. So as soon as this match started, and they were, like, maybe almost two minutes in before they even touched, and then they started doing some really slow, but, you know, psychology-wise, smart chain wrestling, I was like, oh, this one's definitely going to time limit draw. But then they ramped it up pretty quick, didn't they, Rob? Absolutely. I mean, let's just talk about how savage Carrie is in this match. I mean, she hits 
I don't know if we'd call it an insane elbow with it being off the apron onto that stack of chairs, but she was intent on absolutely destroying Saya early on in this match. And I don't think people told her that she had a very important title match the next day because she, she held... She forgot about it. Yeah, yeah, man, she took so much here. I mean, just the arm drag onto that pile of chairs looked nasty the way she landed. But honestly, they held... Absolutely not. And I enjoyed the fact that Kyrie sort of became the de facto heel in this match, sort of not taking Saya seriously as a champion, saying she, you know, she couldn't be a champion because of, you know, X, Y, and Z. And the longer we went on, you know, the more Kyrie started to realize actually Saya is a lot tougher than I initially thought. I've sort of underestimated it here. There were some great moments wrapping Saya up in the ropes with the anchor, I thought was brilliant. Um, hitting the DDT on the apron, targeting Saya's knees. Um, but overall, the narrative was is Saya going to put, is Saya going to hit the Phoenix Splash or is she even going to attempt it? And there was that sort of passage in the match where Saya hit everything she hit um the star crusher then went up hit the 450 then went up again and paused now you can argue it was so that Kyrie could get into position that's by the by for me it was a case of have I got what it takes to hit this hit this but you can't afford to take that time against someone who is experienced as Kyrie Kyrie stops the move and then even as the bell rings because throughout it Saya has been working Kyrie's arm after doing the arm drag onto the chairs. What I realized was she goes straight for an arm bar as the bell rings. Doesn't even try and get to the top rope to hit the Phoenix splash. She goes to an arm bar. When was the last time we saw Saya Kamatani win with an arm bar? We yeah, haven't. Never. Yeah. But here's something else too. You have to look at the time's expiring. One, I do not have time to go to the top rope. Two, it takes three seconds to win a match via pinfall. But if you know your submissions, you can get somebody to tap out in, in a count of one. So, you know, so there's that psychology as well. Now we're putting into our head because if you remember, Sayakamatani was training judo and jiu-jitsu to counter Mina Shirakawa on the figure four. Mm. So now we have another narrative where it's like, ooh, are we going to start seeing an ar- a straight armbar submission from Sayakamatani? Or are we going to start seeing her? Because now we're going to, you know, kind of put the Phoenix splash on the shelf for a little bit. And are we going to see more of a submission game from Saya? She's well-rounded everywhere. Obviously, the high-flying, the explosive offense. We've seen her getting so much better on the strikes, um, you know, this this past year, especially with the the spin kick and that jumping boot. Then she does, like, what I call the kick a goye, uh, very similar to uh, Kotobushi's kamagoye, but instead of the knee, she does the kick right into the face. But now if we're going to add a submission game into the already fantastic arsenal of Saya Kamatani, you know, as long as it makes sense, and as long as it's worked well, I'm all for it. It just adds another wrinkle into the uh, just the fantastic uh, offensive uh, arsenal of one side Kamatani. Yeah, because thinking about her general move sets, there's only really the Boston Crab and the Mutalock that she's got in terms of outright submissions. So maybe adding more submission might be a good way of sort of rounding out that move set, like you mentioned. Calling it now. Uh, we obviously we don't know who she's going to be facing at Dream Queendom. Who do you? Who does? What's your gut telling you? Who's it going to be? You know what? When the when the show on Sunday finished, I was like, they're going to do Kyrie versus Saya, no time limit, and then Saya's going to beat Kyrie, 
And then a week later, Kyrie will be uh, Tam at the Dome. And just because of like, ah, you know, we kind of forgot about it because she won at the Dome. But then they announced they're doing Utami versus Kyrie at Dream Queendom. So I'm like, well, there goes that idea. I, I'm going to say it all depends. We don't know what's going on with, with Mina. Do we have any update on her? If she's going to be back by this time yet? No, no updates. Okay. At all. Maybe Starlight Kid, maybe you run that back again just because based on the match they had about a week and a half ago, um, Saya, uh, Starlight Kid put her foot on Saya Kamatani's white belt. You can run that back again. I won't have any problem with that. The Hazuki thing, I think Hazuki is the person to beat her for the belt, but not now. Maybe they have the match just because it is a big match at Dream Queendom, and maybe Saya goes over, but then Hazuki wins the Cinderella, and then she wins it there. Because if you remember, when Saya won the uh, white belt, she challenged Tam earlier on in the year and then lost, and then they built her back up, very similar to what they're doing with Julia, and then she won the belt. So maybe you do that with Hazuki, where Hazuki loses to um, to Saya at Dream Queendom. But honestly, your guess is as good as mine, because I'm also thinking that they do a uh, Oedo Tai versus Stars, Artist of Stardom title match at Dream Queendom. That's a way to go, too, but... If you're going to say I have to make a decision now, I'm going to say it's Suzuki, but I don't know. Suzuki's the smart choice. I mean, she has Sai's already defended against Starlight Kid. She defended against her at Midsummer Champions in July. So is that long enough to give it? I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm definitely up for another Sayakamatani Starlight Kid match. I have the answer. If you say Waka. No, no, you, now you have to, you have, you, because the Starlight Kid match would make sense because Starlight Kid beat her in the five star. But what was the match that was named match of the, uh, of the tournament? Her stardom in the five star. Starlight Kid and Saya. No, 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 no. It was Susan oh, Suzuki and Saya. That's Suzu, what I meant. I don't know why and, I said Starlight Kid. And Su, yeah, Starlight Kid on the brain. Uh, and Suzu won that match. So why not do Suzu Suzuki versus Saya Kamatani, the rematch, and run it back? That's not a bad shout, to be fair. Um, I'm just going to have a look at the website now to see who did Saya Kamatani lose to in the five-star. Um, uh, give me two seconds. Because now I'm intrigued. Um, I'm genuinely intrigued as to who they're going to run with it. Uh, Here's something else. Something else, too. Now, now, I mean, now we have 19 other people that we're thinking of. If you've been watching the tag matches and the six-person, the eight-person matches since after the five-star, they've been highlighting... Mayu and Saya Kamatani doing some stuff there. So I wouldn't be heartbroken if we got Mayu versus Saya for the white belt. I mean, Saya only suffered four losses in the five star. She had a draw, time limit draw, uh, not time limit draw. She had a count out against Mirai. Or did she have the time limit draw against Mirai and a count out against Amisori? That might yeah, have she, had the count out with, she had the count out with Amisori yeah. on the final night and the time limit draw with Mirai. Yep. And then she lost against Julia, but I think we can safely say that's not going to happen. Um, and then it's Suzu Suzuki, Starlight Kid, and Mina. She's obviously already had the match with Mina, so that gives a Starlight Kid or Suzu Suzuki or Hazuki. But Saya yeah. did beat oh. Hazuki in the five star. So what is yeah. Hazuki's claim? Yeah, they, we were having an exploding coffin match this weekend, Ralph. So. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. Um, just a word on Kyrie then before we sort of go off onto this. I feel like this is the big match we've been waiting for from Kyrie. No disrespect to her work up to this point in stardom, but this is the first match where in ring she's as felt as special as she does an attraction. It's 
easily the best match of her second run with the company so far, obviously until the following night, but we'll talk about that later. Um, <laughs> like she enters the ring and the aura and charisma she carries herself with is just spellbinding. But then, you know, aside from maybe the Starlight Kid match, which was good, but she hasn't yet had that blow away match, has she? And then here... She knocked it out of the park. Her and Sire, I think, had fantastic chemistry. And between this and the match you would have with Mayu on the next night, it was a fantastic weekend for Kyrie. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before I, I just want to touch on a couple of things. What was uh, your rating on this, sir? I gave it four and a half. I had it four and a half as well, and I agree. This was up until the next night. Uh, Kyrie, not only was not only was it was it her best match, and she's been back with the company. And again, I think the tag matches uh, and the singles match she had with Starlight Kid—they were all really, really good. Don't get me wrong; I'm not. I'm the biggest Kyrie fan. I'm not bagging on Kyrie. I'm just saying how great this match was. I will say this is the best match she's had since she dropped the white belt to Mayu in 2017. Now, I've not seen all of her WWE stuff, but I've seen a majority of it. Uh, obviously, I've pretty much seen all of her matches in NXT, and she's had, she had great matches in the Mae Young Classic. She had a great feud with Shayna Baszler. I thought her stuff in WWE was really, really solid. But I'm just saying that I think that this was her best match since that white belt match against Mayu in 2017. Um, and I'm also going to say, again, I had this four and a half stars. And again, what I'm about to say is nothing negative on Kyrie. Again, I'm a huge, huge fan of Kyrie. Just to give an idea of where Saya Kamatani is at in my mind with this white belt. Again, I had this four and a half stars. Here are the white belt matches Saya has um, that I thought was better. The Tam match, he wins the belt. The Utami match from uh, World Climax. The Tam title defense from World Climax Night 2. The Mirai match, the Starlight Kid match. The Mina match, the Micah match, the Himika match. Again, I had this match at four and a half stars, and I have all those matches I just said rated better. So Saya Kamatani, clearly my wrestler of the year. She's having an outstanding run. She really is. And when you consider she's not that far into her like career, it's honestly astounding how far how far she's come um i did like as this match finishes she retains and obviously doesn't cry which i thought was a nice touch after you know Kyrie verbally bashing her for crying and it not meaning anything um she moves clear of eo into second place of successful title defenses with 11 is around 30 days shy of momo watanabe in fourth in the longest single reign so she really is in the upper echelon of the wonder of stardom history so it's going to be interesting to see what the future holds for Sire um, and whereabouts she ends up when she does eventually drop. Because I think if she does retain at Dream Queendom, I don't think anyone is going to bemoan that. I think she will. Because last year you had the White Belt and Red Belt both change hands at Dream Queendom. To Sire and Shuri, do they both drop them on the same day a year apart? I'm going to say no. Obviously, Shuri, she's as great as Shuri as a champion. She's dropping that belt to Julia. I don't think you do it back to back, uh, you know, back to back years with the same people that won them the mm-hmm. the, the same year. I, I just don't think they're going to do it. However, I've been known to be around a time or two in my day. It felt like every belt changed hands last year at <laughs> Dream Queendom. Um, I mean, Sayu at the moment is on 329 days. Um, with the belt. Momo's at 358 and then Kyrie's at 364. If she retains at Dream Queendom, there's every chance that she can go second 
behind Yuzuki Aikawa. I don't think she's going to break the 618-day reign, but she very well... If she if she retains that Dream Queendom, I have every faith that she will go ahead of Arisa Hoshiki in second with 370. Here's something else I want to point out, too. When Saya eventually loses this belt because it's such a monumental run, I think it should be at the main event of a show, not a co-main event. I think it should be Agreed. the last match, the last thing that you see. So that's another reason why I don't think she's, uh, she's dropping the wipeout Dream Queendom. Again, that probably means that Take all the bets. Take all the money you have and belt on Sayakamatani. Plus, you Rob agreed with me. So that means... Oh, yeah. Don't get the, yeah it's a Kiss of death, that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but kudos. That's 180 for a second here. Kudos to Rob Goodwin, the only person that I know that said this was going to be a time limit draft. Kudos, sir. Thank you, man. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. I mean, my logic behind making it to time limit draw was flawed, as proved by the following night. But even so. <laughs> you don't worry about that, buddy. A win's a win. <laughs> I mean, let me just put this out there before we move on to the semi-main. Sayakamatani is a Kanagawa native, okay? Which is where Kawasaki is, I believe. What if this shampoo match at Stardom in Showcase Volume 3 becomes a title match and she loses it there? My God, the scenes. <laughs> we just were talking about like the greatest title run all year to going back to the shampoo match. <laughs> what a podcast, folks. <laughs> always, always the shampoo match. Um, we move on to the semi-main event then. Match seven, World of Stardom Championship match. Suri, the champion, defeating Yutami Hayashishita with the Vermilion World in 28 minutes and 14 seconds. The subtle poetic nature of Suri facing her biggest rival with both of them on nine World of Stardom defences and then having to beat Utami to move past her in 10 is beautiful. And just in general, these two really do have unparalleled chemistry and the ebbs and flows of their matches seem to be as organic as possible. I mean, they just seem to know what each other are doing and Utami having to up her brutality to match Suri while we see Suri on the consistent back foot for perhaps the first time in her reign. I thought this was yet another unbelievable instalment in this anthology of Suri and Utami, Matt. I'm going to make a statement and I will die on this hill. If you disagree with me and see me in public, I will fight you. I will suplex you into a pile of uh, eggs at a grocery store. But when Sha- you talk about <laughs> match being booked, me and you. Absolutely. Yeah. And I tell you what, you see me get my hair cut after you come and attack me because we will have a shampoo match and I'll put it on the uh, Patreon. Because, uh, anywho. So no, and I'll say this. Here's my statement. When you talk about the greatest trilogy of championship matches, you'll obviously go to Flair Steamboat 89. Yep. Punk and Joe from Ring of Honor. Yep. Um, you go to the trilogy of, of um, Wrestle Kingdom matches with Tanahashi and uh, Okada from uh, Wrestle Kingdom 7, 9, and 10. Mm-hmm. That's another go-to. And then, obviously, the Omega-Okada trilogy title matches. This belongs with those. There's nobody that can tell me any different. These three title matches that these ladies have had over the last, what's it, 17, 18 months, they belong in the same breath as... Punk Joe, Steamboat, Flair, Okada, Omega, Okada, Tanahashi. And there's nobody that can tell me any different. This match was absolute wrestling perfection. Uh, first of all, how about you, Tommy, coming out with the old uh, red gear from when she was champion? I mean, almost almost probably show. Yeah, yeah. But not only a big statement, but we watch what happens 24 hours later. 
And it's almost like you, Tommy, showed it to Mayu and was like, ha ha, beat you to it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, big statement coming out with the old championship gear. That's you, Tommy, at her absolute best was in that title run that she had from uh, 2020 to the end of 2021. Um, and just, yeah, and then and, and uh, Sherry coming out with new gear as well. But these two just didn't miss. Everything felt big. Everything had purpose. Timing was good. Selling was good. Ring positioning was good. It got violent where it needed to get violent. The ebbs and flows of this match were just absolutely perfect. This match was wrestling perfection. And you can make an argument out of the three matches, this one might be the best. I, I still don't know. Someone asked me, where does this rank? And so just like Steamboat and, uh, and Flair from 89, there's real no wrong answer. You can put any one of these one, two, or three, and there's really no wrong answer. Um, I, I'm not going to go over every move in this match. If you haven't seen it, please go out of your way to see it. It's one of the best matches that I've seen all year. It might even uh, break my top five, not only in stardom, just in wrestling in general. This was, as you wrote in your book, Stardom, I, I have it right here. <laughs> Living the dream, Stardom's 10th anniversary in, your, in review. When you reviewed their first match, you put, this is the easiest five stars I've ever given to any match. And I will echo that sentiment, sir. This was the easiest five stars I can give to a match that I've seen this year. I feel like their, their five and a half star match was lightning in a bottle. Um, it's an entirely unique encounter that they'll never be able to replicate. But that's something that I love about this feud, this trilogy. They didn't try and replicate it at Dream Queendom. They didn't try and replicate it here. All three matches are outstanding as standalone matches without relying on the history of their previous encounters. And the fact that they didn't replicate and they just built made this another really, really, really special match. And just from a wrestling standpoint, never mind the emotion and the rivalry between these two that's gone back to May last year, just from a wrestling standpoint, these two are in the upper echelon of stardom ever. Never mind just of the current roster, stardom ever. I mean, some of the kickouts and timing, like we both know, we both knew going into this that Utami wasn't winning. We both knew. Did that Which we didn't have we, we didn't know in the first or second match. So we knew the result was clear in this match than it was in the first two. So sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but yes, you're I know what you're gonna say. Go ahead. You're absolutely spot on. However, the bite on that kick out from the hijack bomb was unbelievable. And then from a similar standpoint, in my head, I knew that Utami was gonna kick out of the Ryan. I knew it. But they timed it so perfectly that you can't help but bite on it. And it takes a really special match to really invest you in that. And I feel like I I was so close to only giving this four and three quarter stars. And my reasoning was that Utami was never winning this. And to a certain extent, that sort of took me out of the match. And then I watched it again. It's the only match from the show I've watched twice. I watched it again. And I realized it doesn't matter because yep, as I've, it's not your time is fault. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I, well, as I've just said, I still bit on those two pinfalls and surely that shows that actually it doesn't matter that the, the outcome was scheduled. We knew that it was going to be Suri and Julia heading into dream queendom. Yeah, we did know that, but as a standalone match without that knowledge, this was as close to perfection as you can get. I don't think it's as good as their first one. As I've already said, just an entirely unique emotion driven masterclass, but this is such a 
good backup to it. Such a good appendix, such a good next chapter to that book that they're writing together. I have given it five because ultimately, if I if I know the result going into it and I still bite on pinfalls, you've hooked me into the match. What more can I ask? Well, here's one thing that you can ask. If you turn to page 136 of your book, <laughs> Living the Dream, starting 10th anniversary review, I just want to read uh, the last thing on the page. This this is how eloquent Rob Goodwin is, folks. And I don't know if my horrible voice will do it justice. <sighs> just bear with me. Some have said that having a time extension sets a dangerous precedent for future matches. And while I understand that, I also appreciate the level of emotion and drama in this match and make it a special one-off occurrence. That even Rossi Ogawa was swept up in the tidal wave of intense passion speaks volumes of its uniqueness. I don't think I've ever awarded... I don't think I've ever awarded an easier five stars match rating five stars. Really put in brilliant words from you there, good sir. But that's exactly what I felt when I wrote down five stars. I'm like, I'm literally going to echo Rob's sentiments from that match. Again, page 136 of Stardom's <laughs> Living the Dream. Thank you very much. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I love this match. That one-two punch of Kyrie and Saya and Suri and Yutami, I knew it was going to be great, and I'm still come out of this match like, blown away and i would be amazed if when we do and i've had a couple of people ask me yes we are still doing our stardom end of year awards 100 i'm going to do it after i'll put up the poll literally the night of dream queendom because i guarantee a lot of people's matches of the year or it might get classed as show of the year so i will drop it on the night of the 29th um and i'll that'll give you till I think we I think we closed it on the third or fourth of January last time. Um but I would be amazed if this show um wasn't in the running for a show of the year, Matt, even even without talking about the main event. Yeah, and hey I just want a yes or no answer. Again, we'll talk about this uh with Karen over the weekend. Because I know me and you were texting uh back and forth on Sunday. Was mm-hmm. this your favorite match of the weekend? Yes or no? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so so uh, okay, so you have uh, Jeff Jarrett and uh, Jay Lethal yep. versus Thing and Dario. One hundred percent, one hundred percent, man. Though I know I will, you, I know you. I will just say it was you. absolutely beautiful to see Eddie Kingston finally wrestle his hero. That might be my cathartic moment of the year um, to finally see him wrestle Yonakiyama. Um, let's move on then. So our main event was. The- Match eight, the Moneyball Table <laughs> Ladders and Chairs Tournament final match. The Stars team defeating Donna Del Mondo in nine minutes and 58 seconds. Right, let's get the elephant out of the room. The Moneyball being broken off of the hook before either team had had a chance to grab it after like three minutes of the match is perhaps the most Mayu thing to ever happen in a Mayu match, despite it not actually involving Mayu. You like, think it broke because she was, she was around the vicinity? You think that's what it was? I think it was. I think it's just a case of Mayu was there and then obviously by proxy it's got to happen. Like, that's a fairly big thing to try and recover from. Um, they did manage to cover for it pretty well in the end, but the extremely gifable reaction of Mei Sakurai's look of absolute horror as the ball explodes in money on the mat and just that split second where everyone looks at the mat and just goes, right, what Hizuki do we do and Julia cov- <laughs> Hizuki and Julia covered it up as well as they possibly could. And Absolutely. Plus the, plus the ref started sweeping it up and then said something to the uh, ring announcer 
and Japanese. I don't speak Japanese. I hope to in the next few years. But then he made an announcement that it's like, yeah, we're just going to put the top part of the money ball <laughs> up top. And that's how I'm like, that's a pretty damn good car. Like, what can you do? Because I mean, one thing, if it was like the money in the bank briefcase or a championship belt, and it's just one thing that falls and it's solid. But you have crowns and coins and dollar bills and bouncy balls and sweet tarts and nerds and whatever the hell else was. And I think it was all over the map. It's like, Oh, they don't take that up quick because we're gonna have to bump on this. Not only that, but like we got some big matches coming up with these ladies coming up in the next month or so. But uh, I thought they did as good as a job as they possibly could uh, with, uh, especially with Julian Hazuki. Kind of just like, well, let's go. Let's just we have to cover this up. So I thought they did a really good job there. My biggest uh, negative in this match wasn't the money ball breaking. It was the fact that Mayu Iwatani was not wrapped up in bubble wrap going into this match, knowing what she had for her the night before. But considering the fact that Kyrie practically killed herself an hour earlier, probably like, well, what the hell, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. If they don't do now, if this is to become an annual thing, which I, I do hope it does because it's something completely unique I, in, in stardom, I I hope that they do like a series of videos where like they do little comedy sketches of where they are reinforcing this money ball before it goes up. <laughs> Like properly, yeah, properly, <laughs> properly lead into the fact that like this happens. Like, don't try and cover it up. Properly lean into it. Like, you've got like blacksmiths trying to m- make metal coverings for it, all sorts. Make it a big thing. Um, stars had obviously selected their alternate attires from WWE 2K22 because they all came out in their hardcore attire um, with CM Punk style tape up their arms, which I did enjoy. Um, it's interesting that all the ladders were set up prior to the match, which I've never seen before. Before the bell went, all of them set up a ladder, which gave us a great image of Mayu setting up the world's tiniest ladder and Hazuki burst out laughing. But I don't think I've ever seen that in a ladder match. Have you, Matt? Maybe in some random India that I've done. I mean, it's a possibility, but not not, not into uh, like you know this this aspect. It's been it's a very rare occurrence. But yeah, I thought it was great that you had the eight foot ladders, the ten foot ladders, the eighty foot ladders, and then the four inch ladder. I was like, well, you know, they're really going for. <laughs> Stardom really is the spice. The variety is the spice of life over here, you know. But yeah, and of course, once you saw that mini ladder, I'm like, I'll bet every dollar in my bank account that Mayu definitely goes for that. And I thought it would have been even better if like everybody got cleared out. Mayu hits like one of her signature dives. She rolls into the ring. There's 40 ladders for her to pick, and she picks the small. She knocks down all the big ones, and she picks the small, and then she starts going up. One thing else we failed to mention: I was a little confused by like if you hit a buzzer, this loud, annoying sound goes off. I. I haven't edited my notes and it's just how is this money ball getting higher I couldn't work it out till Mayu did it towards the end yeah I didn't understand it and then I was like well maybe I should turn the volume down in my house at 5am so I don't wake everybody up with this giant annoying sound sounds like a tractor trailer backing up into my house (laughs) (laughs) and then the money ball broke but like all that aside there was some crazy ass spots in this match like Hazuki DVDing Julia off the table and if you go back and watch that uh, the table is like bridged in between the ladder and the ropes and Saya Ida made by the MVP of this of, of that of that spot Basically, she's just sitting there in like a full squat position with her hands underneath the table to make sure that the table doesn't fall. And it didn't at all. It was braced really nice. Suzuki did a good job taking care of Julia. Like, obviously, all the wackiness ensued in this match. You can't take away from the insane spots that all six of these ladies did. And then how about the Freedom rocket launcher into poor Tekla's face? Oh, jeez. It it probably looked like it shook Tekla because Mayu went crashing into it. Like, this... (laughs) 
sometimes you can, in wrestling, you can see how a wrestler is protected from a spot. Um, sure. I do not understand having seen that, you know, that well-publicized gif of uh, Freedom doing it to Chelsea Green. I still do not understand how that doesn't just break a person in half because, like, Tekla's arms are down by her sides and <laughs> there's not a chance Mayu is pulling anything from that dropkick. She's been catapulted towards her. I do not understand how that isn't just brutal like how that doesn't just wipe her out for the entire rest of the match maybe you can um give me some insight into that Matt. how how is tecla not just dead at this point if you well i mean if you read the, the only thing i could think of is if you read mick foley's first book he uh he said that he was a big fan of terry funk and he always wondered how terry funk he would throw those three right jabs and that big left hook and he always wondered because boy it looks like terry kills people with this thing like, I wonder what the secret is. And the first time Tate, he wrestles Terry Funk, he's doing it. And as Foley's, like, selling the punches, and he's like, oh, here it comes. Here comes that left hook. And the next thing you know, he was on the floor looking at the lights, and he was all dizzy. And then he asked Terry, he's like, I always wonder what the secret was. And he's like, no, there's no secret. He goes, I, the reason why it looks so good is because I really throw it with the intent <laughs> to try to knock somebody out. And maybe that's what the secret <laughs> of, the, of the Freedom Rocket Launcher is. And the vein of Terry Funk's left hook <laughs> is Mayu's left foot or right foot coming at your face. And maybe it's just it's something at a point where it's like, hey, just turn your head and grit your teeth. You know, this is pro wrestling and stuff happens. But maybe Mayu tries to protect as well as she could by hitting maybe the top part of, of the face, maybe like to the side of the eye where it's kind of, kind of be the most padding but uh, that would be my best answer for you that sir because yeah it literally looks like she's getting thrown into the front row like at yes, that point absolutely um the, may sakurai takes a really nasty bump on a notoriously solid japanese table as well um but this does give an absolutely fantastic like reaction from mayu and kagama so um mayu is set up on a table and may is looking to do a one of her terrible elbow drops and basically she gets stopped may rolls off the table and may gets arm dragged from the top rope through this table by kogama and mayu the table does not break it makes a sickening thud and mayu and kogama's faces are just like oh dear <laughs> just honestly go to that match and find that reaction it's my favorite thing of the entire show not the Kyrie match not the five-star utami shuri match that reaction of mayu and kogama just going ah we may have killed May Sakurai. Just absolutely amazing. Go and check it out. It's brilliant. Um, and then a re I'll never get used to those unprotected headshots with steel chairs. Hazuki delivers an absolutely brutal one to Julia before she does that Death Valley driver. And then we've got Kagama doing her stupidly, ridiculously high crossbody from the top of a ladder before Hazuki and Mayu get to the uh, get to the top of the ladder. All this happens in less than ten minutes. Like, did they just go, right, guys, uh, you've got about eight minutes, off you go. Get as much shit as you can in. That's that's what it felt like. It just felt like, right, there's no time for storytelling, there's no time for selling, just do as much as you can in the time that you've got. Um, you think about the three previous matches, you know, the tag match with Mike and Himika versus 7-Up, Kyrie and... Uh, and Utami versus Shiri. Those were all three phenomenal storytelling matches where it's just like, yeah, let's go with something completely different here. Um, if they were to rearrange this card again, I think you should put Shiri and Utami on last. I think no one's going to disagree with me. 
But this was loads of fun that they got done, like you said, in 10 minutes. And obviously you want to end the match on your biggest spot. And they're just like, cool spot. At, once they got over the money ball thing breaking, it was cool spot after cool spot after cool spot. And obviously the biggest spot in the match was Koguma coming off that ladder and onto pretty much half the stardom roster. Uh, you know, right, perfect camera angle. And then Mayu and Azuki going up for what is left of the money ball. So uh, you got to give them credit for one thing on their feet and two, just the zaniest that was this match. And again, I still don't understand the honking of the loud buzzers, but uh, to move the, the money ball, but be that as it may, I thought this was really fun. And again, you can only give two thumbs up to these six ladies for the crazy dangerous spots they did. So I had this at four and a quarter stars. Wow, you liked it considerably more than me. Um, I gave it. Oh. Three, I gave it three and a half. It, it was it was great, but like I just you know, it was ten minutes of utter insanity. Um, I think I think in fairness, I think I might have just been spent after the Utami Suri match. Um, but you know, it was fine. I don't think it was a match that was there to be taken seriously. Though I'm sure Tackler's jaw would disagree with me after being greeted so forcefully by Mayu's boot. But there we are. All in all, I thought this was an excellent show. And uh, I would be amazed if this isn't top three shows of the year when we do our end of year awards, Matt. There's so many of them. I think I somebody asked me, he's like, wow, this is a great show, another show of the year. And I'm like, I think it's like five or six for me. That's how good Stardom was this year. I really, I'm really, once we get towards the end of the year, I'm really going to have to sit down. But uh, yeah, considering the fact that you had a four-star tag match, a four and a quarter-star ladder match for me, uh, a four and a half star white belt match and a picture perfect red belt uh, match. And the fact that to me, it's like five or six <laughs> just goes to show you just what a phenomenal year stardom is having. I think there might be five or six shows of the year in the five star, like just the five yeah. star alone. That's without both nights of world climax. Um, Cinderella journey in Nagoya, which was an underrated show. Um, flashing champions, flashing champions. Um, midsummer champions was a decent yep. show. Um, really good. obviously gold rush now we can assume that dream queendom is going to be an absolutely phenomenal show historic crossover there's nine shows jeez i'm excited to do my like complete overall wrestling top 10 shows and when it's like 70 or 80 percent of it's going to be stardom it's like well there you go folks again tell me why you're not watching stardom Absolutely. Um, let's just quickly then, before we sign off, um, I'm just going to quickly run through a couple of things that are happening um, over the next week or so. So obviously today, the 23rd as we record, um, was night seven of the Goddesses of Stardom Tag League from Corican Hall. Um on the 25th, um, so t- Friday, uh, as you're listening to this, hopefully, um, it's Tokyo Comic-Con with a Stardom match taking place in that. The 26th, we'll see Stardom in Showcase Volume 3 with what can only be expected to be a five-star shampoo match. Um, we've then got the 27th as well, which is the night eight of the goddess of stardom tag league. And that's from Shizuoka. And then the final two nights of the tag league are the 3rd of December and the 4th of December, the 4th of December, of course, being the final, um, we will be bringing you our review of the 23rd, but obviously in our historic crossover show, I think we're going to have so much to talk about in regard to that match. We'll just do that show on that podcast and then the tag league will roll over to the next week. Matt, what do you think? Absolutely, sir. Whatever you want to do. I'm all for it. Love it. So if next week, so next Friday, guys, for you and obviously the Wednesday or the Tuesday, whenever we record, Matt will have the next date of the 
um, Tag League, which is obviously today's the 23rd. Hopefully the Stardom and Showcase show as well, if it's up in time. Um, I don't know if we'll have enough time to do the 27th. We might well do, depends how long uh, it takes Stardom World to upload it. Um, as always, we'll keep you informed. Um, as we've mentioned, our historic crossover review featuring Karen Peterson, the great Karen Peterson, will be dropping on the 28th of November at midnight Eastern time. So make sure you check that out. I believe Karen was in attendance, so she will be giving us a lot more insight into what it was like in that arena because I can't wait to talk to her about that main event um, in the meantime thank you so much for listening guys we really do appreciate it the new website is up as we speak so www.thestardomcast.com not .weebly.com anymore .com um, I've still got a couple of things to upload um, like there's a few of the older podcasts I need to upload, um, a couple of the title histories, things like that. But for the most part, um, the website is now done. Something that you will see when you log on is there is a match guide. This is something that I thought a lot of people trying to get into stardom have often asked, well, what matches do I need to see? So what I've done is on the website, I've created a page called match guide. I've got, um, the years going down from 2022 down to 2011. And over the course of the next couple of weeks, next couple of months, I'm going to populate that with links um, to matches that you need to check out. I'll be, I'm sure I'll be asking the Discord for their help as well to matches that I need to add to that. Um, where it is possible, I will say now the links will take you to Stardom World. Um, this isn't a case of, oh, you can find it here for free, here for free. The only time it'll be like Daily Motion or Billy Billy will be if there is nothing on Stardom. Stardom world that'll be the only time but that's something you should check out um but yeah in the meantime guys make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts um if you're listening to us on apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review and a comment i cannot begin to describe to you how much it helps us out uh you can subscribe to our patreon at patreon.com forward slash the stardom cast december is going to be a truly fantastic month matt is working literally round the clock i do not understand how that man sleeps so go and check all of that good stuff out you can find us on social media and youtube at the stardom cast uh, you can talk to me on twitter at, at real rob goodwin uh matt tell them where they can find you add anything i've missed out because i'm bound to have missed something out and then of course sign us off good sir well, before I uh, sign us off there, good sir, um, again, here in the States, we are celebrating Thanksgiving. Uh, this is the day before Thanksgiving. By the time you hear this, Thanksgiving will have already happened. Hope everybody has a great holiday. And uh, whether you celebrate Thanksgiving or not, you can just always give thanks. Be uh, Give thanks for what you're thankful for, your family, your health. I am, you know, may sound corny. I'm truly thankful for this podcast and for Rob creating this podcast. And I'm glad Rob is back and better than ever. Not only is he crushing it on this podcast, but he, uh, the website, um, he works tirelessly on that and he's writing 19 books. So uh, <laughs> I'm just thankful for the, uh, as hardworking as I am, as Rob just said, and I am very hardworking. I think Rob is working uh, just as hard, if not harder than me. And most importantly, again, I know it may sound corny, but I just want to just uh, say I'm truly thankful for all the uh, friends and family that we have over at the Stardom Cast. It truly, really means the world to me. So thanks to everybody. Uh, and it's also shopping season, folks. So if you're out there, please be careful. Please park very far away from other cars and uh, just be nice to everybody and be patient because I know uh, <laughs> it can be like a Royal Rumble out there at some of these <laughs> shopping classes. Just be nice to everybody. I don't do it. My wife, this is, this is her favorite time there. She loves the shop. 
she absolutely loves her shop. When she comes home, it's like, tell me what happened. It's literally like story time where I'm like, no, I'm just going to go on Amazon. And uh, that's that. But just please be careful out there, folks. Um, but as if you need any questions or if you have any fun shopping stories you want to tell me, you can hit me up on Twitter and or the Instagram, Matt Turner OF, um, if social media is not your thing. And I completely understand that. We have an email, thestardomcast22 at gmail.com. So any questions, comments, you just let me uh, let me know. And also let me know for the Red Belt Tier Patreon members. For uh, going into January, let me know what matches you want me to do on a watch along. So, um, again, I thank everybody so much for your support and all the uh, great comments and questions that we get. Because just remember, it's not just my podcast, it's our podcast because we're all in this together and everybody's different, everybody's special. Mm-hmm.